0: Today on the White Sox Daily Podcast, we have Luke Schilling. He currently plays for the Winston-Salem Dash, a high affiliate. He's 23 years old and was a 2018 438 overall pick by the White Sox out of Illinois. Uh, Welcome to the show, Luke Schilling.
1: Good to be here. Thank you for having me on.
0: Uh, I wanted to start out uh, reading a little bit about you. I saw that you began... Uh, I think late in high school you were still I think a catcher maybe and you weren't always a pitcher. When was that like realization that you thought, oh, it's time that I can be a pitcher?
1: Sure. So um, I was a catcher for most of my kind of youth baseball career. That's true. Uh, probably played most of the positions till I was about twelve or thirteen, and then kind of settled in behind the plate. Um, never really pitched from then on until. Uh, fall of my senior year of high school, I was at a my summer team's tryouts, just working out with with the co- with one of my coaches, Sean Gallagher, who's uh, was like a big early influence in my career, and he um, had noticed that I was getting like bigger. I had kind of hit some growth spurts and was starting to get big, and it was hard to kind of move back behind the plate. Um, umpires were having problems seeing over top of me, and so. Uh, because of that, I had a good arm. He asked, like, well, why don't we just throw a bullpen and just kind of see how it goes? And, I mean, I think the first couple th- couple fastballs that the rate our gun were, like, 89. And then pretty much by my second week, I was pretty much, like, 90, 91, or 90-ish, I guess I'd say. And kind of took off from there, and I never caught another game pretty much after the- after throwing. Uh,
0: you had uh, that- quite the... The year 2014-2015, you were the Gatorade Player of the Year, both uh, great at the plate and pitching. I noticed.
1: Sure. So, yeah. So that was actually just one of the you know better years I've I've had. I just kind of got locked into a, a really good zone there, um, my senior year, and uh, yeah, I ended up ended up winning that award, which is was, was a great honor. And um, yeah, no, I, I, in high school I was definitely definitely, and I thought I was a better offensive player than a pitcher even but uh definitely my ceiling long term was in pitching so i mean knowing that at 17 18 years old i kind of started dedicating, Time dedicating to myself to that
0: uh what pitches did you learn right away and of those what was like the quickest to learn and what's like the most challenging one
1: okay so that's a good question um the, the first foremost i mean to pitch at any like high level you've you got to have some sort of fastball um not necessarily velocity-wise. Obviously, velocity is a big key and can and can help you be very successful. But just having a strong fastball in terms of like whether it's deceptive, whether it sinks, runs, whether it you know ri- like rides or r- or gives the illusion of rising, having a, a elite fastball is kind of a good place to start with pitching because that's the pitch you're going to throw probably a majority of the time. So um, that's the first one you got to learn. You really got to learn how to my advice to young players is like stay behind the baseball and throw good fastballs and then moving on to the second part of your question the most challenging pitch uh for me it was always a change up but um i just think because the grip is just so much different and it's just more of a feel you use fingers that you don't typically use i've always found off-speed pitches spinning them to be like it's kind of has come natural to me so spinning breaking balls has has been like i've always been able to manipulate the ball well um in that regard but but change up as hard as that and honestly that's why i don't throw change up anymore so i've turned into a fastball curveball slider guy um and it's so far i've i've gotten out of the gates pretty good just with those three so i'm, I'm uh, kind of trying to master those
0: throughout your uh young career so far uh you've dealt with injuries uh in the past i I've spoken to two people that you know, uh, one that's in relation to this question, Jake Berger, and then a later question, uh, Michael Massey, one of your teammates. Uh, In this question, you dealt with those injuries, and uh, Jake Berger in a similar way had quite a career path of injuries, and now he's finally getting it on in the minors. How do you stay focused and get back to form? While experiencing like hard days and maybe like the communication with maybe your team and your teammates aren't necessarily there, but you keep pushing along in those process.
1: Sure. So I think um, you know you talk about like in life, you can look at it as either something you know happens to you or something happens for you, and you know I think if you ask Jake and if you ask me and Mike, like those injuries although at at, in the moment were probably some of the more difficult times like of my life and even the years leading up to it trying to figure out what was wrong and uh you know it's just like in those moments you 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 know you feel like it's never gonna end but the real thing is just making you make a decision in your head and every guy knows what I'm talking about that plays at, at a high level like you just can't imagine your life without baseball so it's it's a simple decision. It wasn't for me. It had nothing. Honestly, it had nothing to even do with like getting back with my team with the White Sox. It was just a personal commitment to, Hey, this is a career altering injury. I have a choice. I can either make, you know, put, go all in and do everything I can to get back. Or I can, you know, throw in the towel and it would have been a lot of, you know, wishing I would have. So, I mean, committing to that process is, is difficult, but, if, if you truly have the baseball bug like I do and a lot of these guys do like you like you can't imagine your life without it then it's just it's just something you have to go through it's not even an option there's no other option yeah. so I mean that, that was kind of it for me was I was like hey man like someday it's you know the, the day might be long I might not be feeling good the the ball might not be going where I want it to right now but I'm not there yet but I will get there so that's kind of what I always told myself through the rehab process I had a really ugly injury I had a full lap tear 18 right after signing so I didn't even throw a professional pitch until this year because I spent the first two years rehabbing and then COVID hit mm-hmm. so um yeah I mean definitely had to, to to see the whole process through for three years and getting back is it's definitely very rewarding and but at the same time yeah you, you have to go through those moments to be where you are now
0: uh I'm not too familiar with the MLB draft and I know you're a late around pick but I think there's still a there had to been at least some shock feeling uh, to getting drafted after missing some time in college.
1: Sure. So, well, I, I also got uh, picked out of high school too. So yeah, like, I, saw that one this I, way. I had gone through, I had gone through the process like pretty seriously uh, my senior year of high school where I had done a lot of like, you know, I'd met with clubs. I, I mean, I flew to Arlington. I threw for the Rangers at their park. Like I was very serious about signing and getting, you know, possibly for going my college career. It didn't end up working out. I ended up getting picked by the Rangers, but kind of like the first shock of like, oh my gosh, I got drafted, it kind of was like taken away right there. And then quite honestly at Illinois, just with how things unfolded and, you know, the way my career went there, honestly when I got picked in the 15th round, I was a little bit disappointed, you know, almost like I felt like I had really underachieved in, in a certain way where, I mean, I didn't feel like the talent that I had matched around that I was selected in, and that's just me personally, the way I have to believe in myself as a player, and so, I, I mean, I didn't feel slighted, but I definitely—I was grateful to be picked, and I was super grateful for the opportunity, but at the same time, I, I, I in the back of my mind, knew that I had underachieved at Illinois, and, and I really needed to turn some things around if I was going to, you know, be successful as a pro. Uh, with...
0: One of the big parts of this interview I wanted to get into um, was this past year. Uh, for many, 2020, on various levels of like how difficult it's been, uh, there, it caused a ripple effect from everyone's personal life to their careers. And one thing that it kind of destroyed was minor league baseball. And unfortunately for you, uh, that definitely hit home as you had to sit out the whole year as many other minor leaguers did. Uh, what, what, was there any, when you got initially cut that day, um, I, I know this is probably hard, but was there any reassurance that you would be brought back? How did no. that go? No,
1: there was, uh, uh, I, I can't speak for any members of the White Sox, but when I was released in June, I, there was no expectation of there being another opportunity there, at least at that point in time, uh, it wasn't even really mentioned, um, what really changed, though, I mean, and you can't, and in some ways, I mean, the White Sox had to do what they had to do as far as getting their players, you know, their, their rosters the way they needed them, and they had to make a business decision, and unfortunately, that's the way baseball works, but I don't think they were expecting me to come back the way I did from this surgery. I mean, the further and further I've gotten out from this lat surgery, the more and more function I've regained in that muscle i mean just the the performance level has just gone up and up and up so i don't think they were expecting i don't think anybody could foresee it i mean i'm the only one i feel like at times and maybe some of my trainers guys like randy sullivan and wes mcguire who i worked with at the armory uh, guys who i worked with every day kind of saw it but coming but i don't think any club could foresee that and because of that they released me and for seven months i was a free agent man in COVID, i was working i worked at fedex i worked at nordstrom I mean, I was waking up in the morning, training four or five hours, and then going and working forty hours a week. So and pretty, pretty probably the best thing—it's probably the best thing for me because it forced me to. It forced me to work so hard, and it forced me to really, really, really find the re- the reasons why I want to play this game and how much this game means to me. So once that came, once that came into came back to me and. You know, the performance started going up, and seven months as a free agent grinding, and, you know, once the team started calling again, and I, the White Sox kind of came back around, and it was kind of like, all right, yeah, let's do this thing again, let's do it the right way.
0: Yeah, so, so when, after you got cut, was pretty much you, you started looking for other jobs for the time being, then.
1: Yeah, so I actually, yeah, I looked for normal jobs, man. I, I mean, at some point, you have to be realistic with yourself. Uh, I was two two years out of competitive, almost three years out of competitive baseball, plus you through the COVID year. Um, I'd had a serious injury and had no, like, in-game game numbers to show to get to a team to sign me. So I was kind of in a situation where it was like, man, like, yeah, I was training my, my ass off. But at the same time, uh, there is a little bit in the back of your head going, hey, if it's if it's over, I mean, maybe it is. Like, you don't know. But the, I mean, you just kind of tucked that away in the back of your mind. I just kept you know one foot in front of the other and kept following my training plan and I mean I, like I said, the guys I trained with and you know like I knew the performance was going to be there. I just knew it was gonna take time for
0: enough for a club to finally see that. And with due time it did finally happen. I have a couple more questions here. Um, besides the hard work you put in, you had, I, I would say a little bit of fun. you, you did uh, you had whose idea was Shill's playpen? That
1: is my idea. Uh, the execution though was uh, with the help of my dad. Um, we worked hard on that. Cause when COVID hit, we were, I was living in Michigan at the time, which is like my home state, hometown. Um, had just graduated in December. And then all, COVID happened early in 2020. And I was stuck at home with no opportunity really to work or do anything. And we were like, well, we we need to figure out something. So. Randy Sullivan, my train my my trainer and my mentor, a guy I really look up to at the Florida Baseball Armory, who's been instrumental in getting my career back. He has this motto of "You work while you wait." If you aren't playing, if the coach doesn't think you can play, whatever's going on, man, like you aren't in the lineup every day. It's like you just got to keep working while you wait. It's just it's just the, it's just what champions do. So, like, and if you want to if you want to be great at something, you have to be willing to work when the results aren't coming. So. We built that mound. We started We went and got a couple truckloads of pitching clay from a landscaping place, and we, you know, put it in the backyard. I mean, I probably sunk a couple grand into it. My dad probably put a good amount into it as well, helping me out. So, I mean, it was a true commitment. But I was willing to do it to get better. And uh, one of my good friends and another guy I looked to for advice, Justin Robinson, in Michigan, he uh, runs a program called South Oakland A's. He gave me his rap soto which is like a track man device that tells you like pitch velocity and all that. So basically put that in the backyard. Then we got started getting all the local guys coming out and we probably had eight or 10 pro guys thrown off the mound on uh, a good amount of for a couple months there. So, uh, the work definitely was worth it to build it, but he just, even making the memories was even more fun. And obviously just kids I grew up playing with guys like Carl Kaufman, guys like, you know, who are, Prospects mm-hmm. with other organizations, and we grew up playing together. Now it's kind of come full circle where we're hanging out in my backyard and throwing bullpens. You know, Alex manassa and Cam View and all these guys across minor league baseball where we were just all stuck together in Michigan and we kind of made it work.
0: Yeah, it's it's Nathan pretty. Nathan lit
1: too. Yeah,
0: yeah a lot you, of guys. I'm glad you dropped some of the names. That was one of the questions yeah. I had. Uh, and it looks like, at least, I, I'll have to look at some of those other guys, but for you, it's paying off. You're having quite the season so far through your first 10 games, having some strong performances.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, no, I, de- I definitely feel good so far. I've gotten out of the gate well. Um, I, just, I just really need to focus on staying in kind of my process of of what I do and and executing my pitches. And once the pitch leaves my hand, it's, you know, it's, it's out of my control, but yeah, no, I've, I've definitely felt good to start the season, and you know, it's crazy that this is actually my first
0: professional baseball season, so first 10 games actually came here in Winston-Salem. Yeah, one of the things that you said there that I think is important in, like, just anything is, uh, everyone always wants to be someone that they're, like else, and it's not, yeah. it's not wrong to, like, aspire to be someone, but focus on what you do and what you do great, and use that to get... And excel at your level and speed, not to be the crazy best of the best, because that doesn't always have to be the case. You can do your job and execute it well at your speed. If that makes sense. Yeah,
1: no, hundred percent. I think I think being yourself and being authentic to your like who you are is is a big key and and being successful in this game. Like you have to know what you do well, and you have to be a confident guy out there because you know. There's hostile environments. There's other guys in the box who can really swing it. And if you don't, if you aren't up there with like conviction and knowing what you're doing, it's you're gonna be very difficult to be successful. So it's something that I've had to really build in training, and that's really the only thing that's built it for me is really through the work, through the training. When you can trust your, when you can just lean back and rely on your training, and it just becomes autonomous in the games. And there's just, I thought, you know, when I was younger, I could kind of out talent everybody. And eventually I had to bear down and really get good at the skills that it takes to be successful. And like, that's what I committed to. And that's kind of what Shill's play pen was is, you know, it's like a place I could go to every day and work on my skills. And I just committed to it for year, literally the year for the COVID year. And I feel like I made gains when probably a lot of other guys, I mean, a lot of other guys did work really hard, but I mean, I think it's hard to compare when, I mean, I built a pitching mound in my backyard and you know, I'm working out every day. I mean, there's, it's going to be hard to keep up with me if I have that type of work ethic and I have a year head start and I'm, you know, I'm running with it every day. So that's kind of the mentality I, I think and, and have and kind of taking that with me into my first season. And so far, I, I feel like it's gone well.
0: Last two questions here. Uh, the first one is uh, I had to uh, p- pull your brother in and ask him um, if he had any like interesting anecdotes or things worth bringing up. Uh, and I learned that I knew that you guys lived in Korea, but I wasn't too sure, uh, about anything, but you played baseball there. Is there anything, I don't know what age you did, but, uh, is there anything you take back from, uh, what you learned there and being the only, uh, foreigner into playing today?
1: Yeah. So I actually played a year, I think a little over a year of Little League there, um, like in their actual native Little League, which was super intensive, and what really uh, I would say is a big proponent of why I'm here today. I mean, I picked up, you talk about at 12 years old playing baseball every single day with really good other players. I mean, you really soak all that up like a sponge. And I think it really helped my game. When I came back to the States at, at 12 years old, I felt like, I mean, I was swinging a drop three bat at 12, 11, 12 years old you know, like I had already developed skills and strength and swinging and throwing that other kids just didn't have in the States because here it's more normal. Like you play baseball in the spring. It's not as intensive. You go play football in the fall. You move up. It's like when I lived in Korea, it was, I went to school, baseball, bed, school, baseball, bed, and I loved it. But I mean, that is definitely a huge part of why I'm here. And it's just kind of the, the thin threads of life, like how it works out. I don't, you know maybe it's just like a greater power on how I ended up even living in Korea but without that experience I think it would be difficult to say that I'd be where I'm at today
0: and that's pretty cool uh, I don't hear too many stories of people living in other countries like f- where they just go off from their life in USA and do a full year or whatever in another country last question here uh you're you're a month into the season uh, who are you close with on the team, and how do you just like, get by your day-to-day uh, being a part of a team?
1: Um, I am close with Sal Biasi. He's my roommate. He's been my roommate on the road and everything, too. Um, he went to Penn State and has played with a few different clubs and traded a few times. So he's been a really good resource. We bounced a lot of training ideas off each other and just like hanging out. So he's definitely probably the closest. And I'm, I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm close to everybody on the pitching, pitching staff. I mean, we're all very friendly. We have a really close-knit team this year. So it's it's been really enjoyable playing in Winston-Salem so far.
0: All right. That concludes it for me. Uh, thank you, Luke, for coming on. I'm excited to share this and I'm excited for your season. Good luck uh, to you and the Winston-Salem Dash. All
1: right. Thank you, man. Appreciate it.